0: People say, like, it hasn't sunk in yet, but it did when I crossed the line. I got to be honest oh, with yeah, that's Like awesome. I should not, should not have been there, right? Um, so I knew the gravity of, of it all. And I think that's why so many people were, were um, you know, kind of emotional and cheering me on is because everyone loves an underdog story. And there's so many people in flat track, especially back then, that never had that chance to do that, right, that rode motorcycles all their life. Went around the country, spending all their parents' money, their own money, and and never got a chance to feel that. And they felt that through me that night.
1: Episode 165, Tank Slappin' Podcast, Interview Pod. I'm going at you. I do not know what I was gonna say. Eric, what's up, man?
2: Not too much. Just uh back home, hanging out, just got off work, and uh we're gonna we're gonna do an interview tonight. It's gonna be good stuff.
1: Yeah, episode 165, man. Would that uh would that be my triple digit? What would I go that, with, man? <laughs> <laughs> there it is.
2: There I don't know, is. bro. I, I don't
1: I don't like it, man. I think it's kind of it's too obvious for me. I I I like I like one ninety nine pastrana. I would full pastrana if they. Can, can you even run that number? I can backflip into a pool. I think it's been mm. a few years, but <laughs> I think I could probably pull it off or bang my head on the diving board. One or the other. Um, exactly. Yeah, we got Garth Bastian coming on the podcast. For those who don't know Garth, he is a GNC winner. He won the Tunica short track in 2003 and honestly it might be the most um what's the word like surprise win of American flat track history and we will talk about that with Garth it could be the most surprising win in American flat track history uh and we'll bring Garth on like he's a really cool guy great rider uh but dude to pull that win off was just absolutely epic Talk to him about his career. We'll talk to him about what he does for a living now. Because I, I don't even know I mean, what it, he does anymore,
2: dude. They gotta, we got to get him on the line for sure. I think, you know, talking about the most underrated, kind of under-celebrated wins, I think it's, it's a fair assessment. Because if you think about who all was riding in that main event and how many entries and I know that it was kind of in this weird flux where DTX bikes were starting to come out and you had dumb handlebars and there were no front fenders. And, you know, it was a weird time, but there was insanely talented riders still in their prime at that time. And for him, I mean, can get on YouTube and watch the the heats and the semis. And he just, I think it was like in heat six or whatever. There was a lot of heats that night, but he, shot out in front and ran away with it. And then they didn't even follow him. They were, you know, the camera was on other people because he just had it locked up. And it it's it was just, it's insane. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it was a really cool time, honestly. Like, it was uh, a mixed bag, man. Like, you go back and watch those heat races, and there was a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly in today's current AFT, uh, I guess, <laughs> procedures or rule books, but... I mean, I, I, think, I think I read on Cycle News there were 90, 90 entries that day. Uh, there were six heat races, Eric, because they didn't have qualifying. I don't think at that time they were they would do scratch heats, and then they'd have heat races and semis, and you had to get top two in your heat race. I think that would have been 12 riders, and then I think they had six semis still, and they had to win your semi or wow. or something, maybe three semis you had to get top two, but... It was yeah. It was it was stacked, man. It was a prime prime Chris Carr era, and Jake Johnson was borderline a rookie. Kulbeth cool was just coming into where he was winning championships. Joe Cop, Johnny Murphy, Jr. Schnabel was pretty dominant then on these type of racetracks. Henry Wiles was coming into the picture a little bit. I think in those days, yeah, it was it was loaded yet yeah, you still had the older guys too that were kind of still in it uh uvi atherton rich king um really cool really ron cool t- yeah john ron wood yeah my buddy ron yeah man it, it was loaded with with riders so i'm excited to get him with, on and, with
2: that being said you know we, we do have to take a step back and j- like I know we hammer the sport and like, you know, we need more professionalism. You know, we we can kind of be emo about a lot of stuff. But think back then, you had some framers, some DTX bikes, you had some motocross gear, we had some leathers, dudes looking like fucking shredder from teenage mutant ninja turtles out there. It was a short track indoor. Dude, that it was, was a, a wild
1: time. It was <laughs> it was a goon show almost. Like there were so many guys out there that were just they would wear moto gear with full faces. They're a lot of their gear didn't match. Like they would just grab gear and go race professional. And it was, it's a crazy, crazy time. My buddy, Mike hacker was racing back then. I think I saw a Scotty Dubler, uh, Scotty in one of the, one of the heat races. I think, I think I saw,
2: yeah, I think that was him because he 43, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw I
1: think, yeah. 43. Yep. So, I think I saw a, a a dubler sighting out there, uh, Aaron creamer, like there was, uh, I'd have to go back and watch, man. But there were, uh, a lot of really cool sort of nuggets in that, in those heat race clips that you got to go back and watch. Oh, three was a, a crazy time. Oh, three was when I started actually racing full time ish, like outdoors, um, where I, you know, and it was because I've, I talked about it on the podcast, it's because of that, honda 450 man uh honda came out with that 450 in 2002 and it was a huge thing for for flat track so many people i mean nikki hayden made that bike famous and jake johnson and so many people bought those honda dtx 450s and went flat track and i'm
2: telling you Corey, what that right there i'm gonna do that with the triumph 250 and 450 i'm calling my shot I'm going to change this. I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I think
1: everybody's pretty hype already on the the Triumph. But,
2: yeah, and, man,
1: like, I know we were joking around, like, about front fenders, and I think I still stand by they're absolutely – DTX bikes right now, they're hideous when you take away a front fender. But there's some sort of okayness to it back in the day. On, like, when Nikki Hayden did it with the Cycra – stadium plate like my bike actually I didn't even realize that my bike doesn't have a front fender the one I run indoors with and I'm like dude it doesn't look bad when you have the stadium plate but if you just if you just yoke the fender off and run a stock plate it's hideous but I I there's a little bit of acceptance with the stadium plate and I think a lot of people would agree with me I know you're not you're not trying to agree with me but I'm going to do a poll and see if it's somewhat okay cuz I think it is it looks if that's all right. What
2: allows you to sleep at night, Corey? I'm all for it. Like, it looks all
1: right. I'm gonna post a picture, man. I bet you'll be surprised at the. Uh, I, I yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Still, uh, <laughs> wide bars. For, let's go. Wide bars. Yeah, I did. I rolled with that for a while, dude. It was. It was. Uh. It was the move, man. Wide bars. You had the and what I don't think, what I don't like, is putting like the Lexan front plates. What they use on framers putting those on the DTX bikes. And I I'm guilty of that when I was younger, my, my dad's guilty actually, but I don't, (laughs) I don't think there's a place for that, but dude, the stadium, the old stadium plates, uh, the ones that wrap around the forks, those are pretty cool. So I'm going to stick with that and I'll post some photos, but I want to shout out the sponsors while we wait for Garth. I want to shout out mission foods for being the title sponsor of the podcast Keep every show going for you guys. Make sure you thank them on social media for supporting our podcast. Go out and buy some products. Ain't nothing better than a fresh bag of Mission Chips, Mission Tortilla Chips, and some salsa. We appreciate them for supporting us. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Appreciate everything they do for our show. Appreciate everything they they do for Winter Throwdown. A lot of what I'm involved with, man, they're just big fans of the the sport, of flat track, and they do a lot to keep us rolling. Huge shout out to the boys at Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Big supporters of American Flat Track, Moto America, Super Hooligan Racing, and much more. Moto America, appreciate everything they do to support our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Moto America Live Plus package. You can actually watch Winter Throwdown on (laughs) Moto America Live Plus. Pretty pumped on that, man. That's been something we've been working on for a while. Maybe we'll touch upon that later in the show, but... They do such a good job with their events. Get tickets for Daytona. If you can't be there in person again, Moto America Live Plus is where you can find the action. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, 19-inch and 17-inch flat track, off-road street, Tires.com And Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield for keeping the pod rolling since day one. Appreciate all, everything Uncle Jerry does for the sport, man. If, if there weren't, if there weren't, um if it wasn't for jerry there there'd be a lot of riders sitting on the sidelines and he does so so much to keep us keep the sport going and keep us rolling but that's a that's a wrap on the sponsors eric i got garth bastion on the pod right now garth how are you buddy
0: hey cory what's going on
1: dude what's up man it's been a while i i haven't seen you for probably longer than i even want to think about it. it's been a few years at least what have you been up to
0: not racing motorcycles, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I see that, bro. What are you doing? Um well I, I don't know. I stay stay busy just living the American dream, you know, working and raising a couple kids and got a nice spot and some acreage here in Middletown, Maryland, which isn't too far from it probably. And uh yeah, I don't know. Just just working hard, having fun with my kids.
2: So do you have uh, I mean, do you ever go to like local races or are you like are your kids involved with uh any motorcycle racing uh at this point well so <clears throat>
0: i knew a long time ago that i was a better student than i was a motorcycle racer um so yeah i don't do too much of that we my kids had uh had bikes and learned how to ride enough but never really showed too much interest so my daughter plays soccer she's a pretty darn good soccer player my son played basketball i coach seventh and eighth grade basketball he ups me a little bit um <laughs> but i uh i don't i don't really go to any races i'll occasionally visit a sprint car track because i think that's the best form. and i watch a, a whole heck of a lot on tv I'm a big formula one guy and uh all things sprint car i guess and i'll watch a lot of supercross motocross but flat track is uh i think it's just because of the numbers how different it was or is now than it was for me when i was racing i just i just can't get too pumped on watching it these days to be honest with you
1: yeah no man it's something we we debate about on the on the show here quite a bit man and we gave you a little bit of intro prior to coming on uh and there's a lot there's a lot i want to talk to you about honestly there's it's good to have you on the show i actually I actually got. Re- you won't believe who requested you. Um, there was there was a guy who requested you, and he's kind of he's kind of a good rider, man. He's he's pretty well known. He's yeah. Who who? I mean, do you have any guesses? It's, guess. It wasn't Jake. Wasn't Hacker. Murph. It wasn't Murph. We fo- we love Murph too, dude. It was Jared Meese. Jared Meese texted me. He was like, "Hey, man, it'd yeah. be really good to have Garth Bastion on the show." I'm like, dude, that would be good. Yeah, it was Jared Meese, dude. So that was, he put a bug in my ear.
0: Well, um, you know, Jared was a, a young guy, right, when I was uh, racing and pretty impressive. But um, I used to think the, the most of Chris Carr. You know, Chris Carr was like the ultimate ambassador for, the, for flat track, right? Um, incredible rider, obviously, but just all the things he did off the track and the way he conduct himself and got new sponsors like Ford back in the day you know really progressive in uh in that side of things and uh Jared is um is Chris Carr for me right he's, he's the new Chris Carr and uh you know just have a lot of respect for how, how hard he's worked over the years and you know really treats it like a business um and uh, it shows right that's why he's still doing it and so successful he's a pretty impressive guy so um yeah that's that's cool coming from him i, I, I did not expect that i thought maybe Polly or or murph um my you know two of my best best friends i guess racing chris hart maybe one of those guys but or turbo you know turbo too
1: yeah turbo one yeah so
2: um leading into this Corey and i were doing a little uh you know chat about you know what we we're gonna talk about tonight and he had mentioned that you actually don't live too far from him right now yeah. but I've got to ask are, did you grow up in Pennsylvania because I mean you don't sound like it. You, you know you, you got that Pennsylvania accent and whatnot, but I don't quite hear it in you whereas I can hear it in Corey and everybody else from Pennsylvania
0: No I'm a upstate New York guy um, okay. grew up riding District 4 like Paradise, Speedway in Geneva Medina a little bit um, but pretty early on my dad started taking me to all the District 3 stuff so you know, with, with Kenny cool Beth and Morgan, his, his cousin back in the day. And, um, so the competition was better in district three. And even though it was a little bit more of a drive, it was, it was a better place to be. So, you know, raced at uh square deal before it was like sweet stone dust track. It was kind of a crummy clay rock thing back then. Um, Schenectady tracks like that, but, uh, yeah, that's where I cut my teeth and did a lot of racing in, um, in canada um when i was still riding singles you know rotax uh i don't know if you know this or I not, thought
2: but was, K- uh, Corey raced in canada recently he uh he had some success he might tell you about it um but <laughs> uh, that was one of <laughs> was three rivers down, yeah,
0: yeah three, three rivers three rivers one of the coolest tracks i've ever been on you know it was wide open for most of the day i had i remember one time battling with with BD up there. He had the number one plate in like a 600 heat race and just back and forth. And, uh, uh, Beattie was doing BD things back then, but yeah, so I did a lot of stone dust racing up there. Um, my, one of my best friends, Chris Hart, um, lived right, right there next to my parents there for a long time. He was an incredible stone dust rider. Same story. Like he, he did all that up in, up in Canada, pretty successful and had a, had a good run of it. Um, you know, going to tracks like Lima and uh, some of those specialty tracks, Greenville and things like that. Um, I was always a lot better on the singles than I was the 750 on it, though. So.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's where I, I'm
0: from, but I live down. Oh, good. I was just gonna say that, that's where I'm from, but I live down here now. I've been down here working for 20 some years, so. Bro, I don't Maryland
1: even know down. where Middletown is. Like, I know where Middletown, New York, is, but I don't know exactly where Middletown, Maryland, is. My wife's from Maryland, but I don't know. Where is Middletown? Like, are you near
0: Timonium or? No, I'm uh, Frednick. Right, so I'm like fifteen minutes from the Riley. So. Oh, cool. Um, That's
1: cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, that's cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yep, yeah, just west.
1: Well, of uh,
0: So.
2: You know, like yeah. we, whenever uh, Cody and I were talking about Spokane, Corey, I'm really glad that we figured that out for the geography lesson of today's podcast, <laughs>
1: Frederick, man, it's, uh, the most terrifying track on the, in the, on the planet, but it's, uh, the most rewarding too. I mean, that, that place is, uh, have you rode Frederick
0: Garth? Corey? Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, right. When I was 16, 17, 18, that was the hot shoe series. And Frederick yep. was, you know, Frederick, Springfield, Ohio, Greenville, you know, those are the, those are the tracks and that was a, a pretty cool deal, you know? lot of riders uh the hot shoe races were a a big thing um and uh yeah frederick was always there And it's it's weird now you know i go i go by the fairgrounds all the darn time right and um you know taking kids to soccer practice and stuff but um you know i remember traveling around there back and forth on the fourth of july you know when when we were racing and i hated it just like probably everybody else but uh so Riley's got it going on they keep it they keep it going one of the oldest races in the country if not the oldest race right yeah it's it's the oldest I
1: mean it's it's iconic like it's been around for for so long and and I show up every year I mean it's just a track that you gotta you gotta respect like you don't want to get too frisky on it but no that's cool man it's yeah, uh cool. I know I used to see it so for me I started racing pretty much full full- time well in general really I started racing in 2003 and we'll talk about your win at Tunica here in a little but um it was cool for yeah. me to like you know when i started racing you would come to some of our local races and i got to race with you some of the like i don't know i want to say like the pagodas or mountain springs or some of the tracks we did it was cool to cool to have you there i was like oh, it's like man oh garth he was a you know he won he's a gnc winner and it was cool to just line up as i mean for me i didn't I didn't know which way I was going with racing at the time, but I got to line up with some really good riders in our district. And, uh, yeah. And you were one of them. You showed up to quite a bit of those when I was coming up through the ranks.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, uh, I did like to frequent every now and then, uh, some of the local stuff. Um, then it got to be just a little bit too much work to to pop in, right. To do it. So kind of, kind of haven't done it in a while. I, I did something by Hagerstown a couple of years ago and hurt my knee. I was like, all right, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I did go to Pagoda once you're right. And I went to big diamond because I used to watch dirt modifieds there all the time. So when I saw it come on the calendar, I know Daryl was putting it on or something. I'm like, I'm going to go to big diamond. So, um, you know, there's nothing like the sensation of trying to drive it wide open into a corner as far as you can farther than anybody else and lay it over. Um, but uh, there comes a point in time where where uh, the sensation and the fun of that um, just is, isn't enough for the I guess the potential downside, right? So,
2: you know, it makes yeah, me kind I, of think I, uh, we've been talking a little bit on the podcast about when pros show up to local races or they show up to district races. I know we were kind of giving you know Cody hard time on it, but for both of you guys to do that, I think it can't be overstated what impact that has for. kids growing up to be able to look across the you know the pit area and see you know a pro over there it's just like you know starstruck and um for all the pros that are listening for you guys like i just i love it and and as much as like pros can do it please fit it into your calendar because it just does so much for the sports that's awesome to hear that you did that a lot
0: well and you know that's how you stay sharp too um yeah you, you go battle on the, on an off weekend. Um, you can't just show up to, uh, to a national and expect to compete. You got to stay sharp. Um, you know, so the local tracks are how you do it. And really, I mean, that's why I went to district three because because of the competition and why there's so many great riders from Southern PA, right. Corey and the the wind sets and, you know, Georgie price and Jake and Jared. And I mean, the Varns, right? Varnes gang. It just list goes on and on and on. And um you know, those guys are the riders they were at the national level because of the local level, right? Um, so, and uh what what better thing to do when you're a twenty-some year old than than go race some motorcycles on a Saturday <laughs> night? So.
1: Yeah, there ain't there ain't much. I mean, I guess we could probably think of a few, but no, nah, I mean that's <laughs> it's kind of what we. <laughs> Well, we did and you boys would you did you did you guys had all sorts of fun back in the day now it's all serious and people are going to bed early and it's it's uh it's a lot different but yeah let's do. let's talk about your early days a little bit um what was yeah. your rookie year like was it was it 02 03 um i know your win was in 03 but talk about that decision to go pro what year it was and kind of what your game plan was there like your early years racing at at, at the top level
0: Well, I mean, you're right. It was a lot different back then. Tons of riders. Um, You know, but I, I, to be honest with you, my rookie, like 750 year doesn't stand out to me at all. Um, I don't know if I could pick out much of anything, Um, but I do all the single stuff. So pro sport or pro-am, I guess it was called back then. Right. And I I had a lot of success rode the 250 class and the 600 class. And I should have won the 250 title. I had a couple races. I had an old 1980 air-cooled framer. You know, everybody rode framers back then, right? right? And um, it was a, it was a, an old Honda, factory Honda bike that Puvi, I think, rode. And it was an absolute missile. You know, Paul was, like, my biggest competition on the 250, Scott Shin. Um, and um, they had all, like, this is, what, 90... 95. I can't remember. Um, something like that. And um, you know, their their new stuff, I mean my bike was just as fast. It was it was awesome. And yeah, they had a couple of races where Lebanon Valley, which is a huge track, I was leading Paul, he was right on my butt the whole race. And uh the motor seized on it because the float bowl nut on the bottom come come loose enough to drain it, right?
1: Paul Lynch. But yeah. I was
0: just a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. was just a few points away from winning the title on that. And then I was like fifth or sixth on the 600 class. And then the next year was like my basic expert year. And I think I was the only non-national number rider in the top 10 in points. So people like Cool Beth and Cop, uh, Andy Tresser, um, Lonnie Pauly. I don't know if you know that name, Corey, but yeah, yep. he, was he was a badass rider, especially on groove tracks. Uh, he had a wicked fast play Corbin guy back then. He was an awesome singles guy. Uh, Ryan Brown, who was a really good rider from Michigan, crushed it and almost stone us. So, like really heavy competition, and I did really well that year. And we sold my 600 to basically to, you know, race the 750. Um, and that was really sad, right? That's that's what that's what we had to do to make you know, to make it happen for me, you know, that was the goal. That was all right. That's what we wanted. All wanted to do ride the big class and, and that's what we did. And I struggled mightily for three or four years, I guess, doing that, but um, you know, it is what it is now. So, but yeah, that's, that's probably why I had all the success pro-am and basic expert. And then when I got on the big bike, I didn't, Um, it took me like a year and a half just to make one main at Charlotte. Um, and then the following years when, when Tunica happened. So, yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot, not a lot of memories from that big bike though.
2: So that era, right before you came on, we were, we were talking about, uh, the bikes that were, you know, prevalent out there. You'd see the, the framers and, you know, the DTX bikes coming. I'm going to ask a very big question right now. So I know you said you haven't watched it too much lately. But where are you on? <laughs> where are you on with front fenders on DTX bikes? Do they belong, or should they not be on there? Let's ask the big questions. Oh gosh, <laughs> I
0: I was hoping you asked me this question because I have <laughs> extremely strong on it. Um, I think what so I stopped racing motorcycles when they told me how to ride a damn motocross bike. So, and <laughs> that's the tr- I I bought a. Uh, no 04 Honda motocrosser um, I was going to put it in a frame and keep the, the, you know, the motocross chassis for TTs or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if it was the next year or something. It was pretty quick. They're like, yep, we're getting rid of the frame bikes. And I hated riding a motocross bike. It's just terrible to me. <laughs> um, I can't believe that that something built for a different sport we're forced to ride and um you know still to this day right Corey? you show up on a frame bike at at trailways i guess trailways is no more paradise is no more even
1: you dude, you hate a track
0: like that and i framer's gonna crush you
1: it doesn't though anymore i was gonna say i hate i hate to be the guy but i i was always a like i would always pick my framer first nine times out of ten when yeah. i was oh seven oh seven oh eight and now it's, um, I was going to say like, you probably haven't ridden the DTX bike in a few years, but, uh, there's dude, they're, they're pretty good now where I, and it, you could ask cool Beth or, or like a lot of those guys, when they hop on their framer now, like me, so you can ask all them. They're fucking twitchy. Um, how good the DTX bikes are now, you can almost get them to sort of handle like a framer where you pitch in the corner, you, you give it gas. It doesn't want to step
2: out and pitch you. um, well, especially come, if you take the front fender off. I mean, Corey was just saying how aerodynamic and how lighter and younger he feels when he takes that front fender <laughs> off. So. I said,
1: shut up, man. That's just, it's." <laughs> there's a time and place for for the fender. But no, they, they've come a long yeah. way. But, dude, I'm with you. Like, the the early Honda DTX bikes, like, they were good, but sometimes they weren't.
0: Yeah, and that's that's progression. Like, you've basically had all these years of development on the DTX bike when everybody shelled the framer, right? yeah and and so you're 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 comparing you know you're comparing something that's been developed now for 10 years versus oh versus exactly
1: that- we we were forced to ride the dtx bikes i think that i don't your years or i think it was 2009 or eight i think eight or nine is when they said no more framers I, i'm pretty sure it was 2009 um but yeah like we all so had probably- to we had to ride them everywhere and then when you shelf, it's like guys. Now we, we had this discussion with uh, Jared Meese on the la- on the last podcast where all these twins riders, like Jared and Breyer, and everybody Brandon Robinson, all these guys that ride a twin everywhere, they hop back on a single at all, and they 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 struggle because it's just something that you do. You know, if you're riding a DTX bike for three years in a row, you don't touch a framer. to you ride a twin nonstop, you don't ride a single. It definitely is hard to hop back in and compete yeah. against guys who are on that bike all the time. So, yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah,
0: and um, I don't know. I just uh, – I lost – and maybe it was how bad they were back then. Corey, I think you're right, Corey, because I bought, I bought a Yamaha in 07. I think that was the bike I was going to – you know, I had Woody do the head on it. Like, I was going to you know, put a little money in it, have some fun, put it in a framer, and, and then I think you're right. So it was after that one, not the Honda. But, um, yeah, it just it just totally went downhill for me the the interest and and um uh you know i had a woods you know 600 cc woods rotax um which i absolutely loved and that's that's what i i won tunica on and i don't know how many people know it but i sold that bike right and and or my dad did i guess i should say uh thank god for him right um sold that bike and and you know got the harley from it and um the guy we sold it to let us borrow it for tunica it was a borrowed oh, that's bike. crazy tunica, that's crazy I, oh. I, knew it, I knew it well but it'd been it'd been gone from the house for a couple years i guess when uh two years or so when uh when i you know wrote it down there so
1: well let's uh let's talk about tunica man and i don't know how to word this in a way like it's it's a re- super respectful uh com- comment but it might be the only <laughs> dude it might be the um like the is it is it the most surprising win, ever? I mean, just, I, I, dude. I mean, I'll everyone. That. Everyone knew you were a, a really good rider, so it's definitely not a knock on your ability to ride. But I think, you said that was your second main event. Was that your second ever main event?
0: I think it was my third. So I, um, I made Charlotte, and then I made Tunica the year think, prior the
1: year before okay it was
0: like a fall something but i was towards the back up towards the back of charlotte too so um, to come to come out
1: and <laughs> to, i mean winning your heat race i'm sure you were stoked just to win the heat because i remember remember winning my first heat and then i got like sixth or seventh in the main but i was like all right that was a solid day like progression i finally won a heat race you go yeah. into that race there were 90 90 some riders not only did you win your heat, yeah. but you, you ended up winning the fucking main event, man. And it's uh, it's it's incredible to look back, um, look back on. I actually called called Coolbeth today to to chat with him about you a little bit, and then I I was texting Mike Hacker, so uh, was definitely you know it was a it was a Garth Bastion day for me, man. I was uh getting some some input from these guys on you, and you yeah. know they Coolbeth kind of he mentioned that maybe maybe Ricky Winsett's win was was surprising as well but you know it's dude it could be you know it could be argued that that was you know your third main event win win the race like that's it's incredible man so talk about leading up to that race what your goals were you already mentioned about the bike and I was going to mention the the woods road I noticed that when you were because dude that heat race is on youtube I don't know if you knew that but um you can watch that yeah that heat race (laughs) is on youtube and it's actually cool for me That's too cool. because uh, a guy I grew up watching and hang hanging out with, uh, Ken Yoder. He was he got second in that heat race, so it was a a really underrated got fourth one too. He yeah, he got podium. fourth. Yep, in the main event, he got fourth. He almost
0: made the yeah, yeah.
1: That well, sick.
0: Um, I mean, you're, you're right. There's there's not a chance in hell I had any thoughts of winning a race. Okay, <laughs> like when you struggle for a few years just trying to make event main event and you've only made a couple like that possibility is like fleeting right that that thought is fleeting um but i i knew i was going to be good there right because i i just done it um and i do really well on the, the smaller tracks for some reason at at one point i was the smallest guy riding a big old 600 rotax and like the thing just you know pulled me around the track type of thing and then And then all of a sudden I was like the biggest guy, you know, I'm one of the tallest was one of the tallest guys. And uh, there was even a point where I parked my bike at Springfield because I felt like a sale, you know, I was just a monster and Brian Smith scared the shit out of me going by. Um, So, you know, I got to be a bigger guy and and I was hitting the weight room and I felt like on the little tracks, I could just, you know, just yank it around. Right. And, and um, kind of push people around a little bit. Although my riding style probably doesn't suggest that, but I, I really did feel um like you know I could use my strength there to to muscle around these small tracks. And um but the way I won was pole putting around the bottom, putting my skid shoe on the on the burn. And um I think Wheeler told me after the race or, or Mike Lynch, they were watching me uh stay off the brake. Like I, I was hardly on the brake. And when I kept going like starting to pass people during the main event there you know i was the only one like not struggling i was just nice and smooth and staying off the break right on the bottom getting on it early type of thing but yeah so it never crossed my mind never crossed my mind to win that race for sure i, I went out there thinking i could make the main event for sure right um but all of my practice sessions i was my times were awesome you know top 10 every every time out so yeah
2: so before you came on, we were also, we were kind of talking about the way that they structured races back in those days. Uh, back in those days, I was a senior or yeah, I was damn 20 years race ago, race. bro. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, did, did they have qualifying or was it just scratch heat, then semis and then mains? Clarify that one.
0: Ooh, oh boy. That may have been a scratch heat. Okay. It may not have been transponders. I mean, I, I definitely raced both or I did both. I did scratch heat and transponders, but I, ki- I couldn't tell you what that, what that track was. It may have been a scratchy to be honest with you. Ah, man, good question. <laughs> I don't know. It I don't remember
1: either. I, if I had to guess, I would yeah. say scratch heats, but I,
2: I, I don't know, man. How, I. Uh, how did yeah. they do uh practice uh, leading up to events like that where scratchy. he's, it was kind of the same thing where you'd have multiple sessions out there um, and then you go, or how many times were you on the track before, uh you got on there for the heat race yes it was three
0: it was at least two yeah maybe three i mean i'm thinking you here on the memory but
2: it was something like that we didn't well so when you went out there did you like at what point did you think oh shit i'm, I'm feeling pretty sporty out there um you know because when you watch that that heat race it's not like you just got lucky like you were haul and ass from the beginning of that race so at what point did you kind of start to feel sporty in your head
0: uh, I mean it was it was from the start right I knew yeah in practice like you know you, you you pull it out of the truck and like going fast right and um and you're not getting tired and uh yeah you're you know I was feeling aggressive I don't know just had a day and um I will tell you this jake johnson broke or something something happened to jake jake was going to win that race he was going to win that race no doubt and something happened where he like broke or crashed in the heat and um had to ride a semi and i'm not even sure he made the main event actually i don't think he did because he was way back in the semi too but um but when i lined up for my heat race i think i was on pole maybe you know there's like six heats, right how many riders i think they said on the
1: cycle news i i read the cycle news article i think they said car was on pole um and you weren't even heat race oh i'm sorry yeah 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 you i think you were yep
0: yeah and and yoder was right there with me and um i mean you know there wasn't a bunch of big hitters if you will my heat race and i'm like oh i'm i got this right and Kenny stayed right there with me. I think he was thinking the same thing. You know, he's a big guy. You're not moving him off the bottom. Right. And, um, yeah, so the heat race went really well. And and I'm on the front row, I guess, for the name, like you said, Corey, maybe I was fourth or something starting. And, um, I was in fourth for a long time until that restart. And I felt like I was catching, I think Sean was in front of me, maybe Johnny and Chris. Um, before the restart and I was catching second and third, definitely. Like I felt like they were coming back to me big time. Chris was kind of out there though. He was, he was probably going to win if it wasn't for the red flag. Um, but then the red flag happened like 10 laps to go. And um, I knew I could definitely jump a couple cause it was coming. Right.
1: That's crazy. That's so cool to even think about being in that position where You're, uh, yeah, like you're close. Like, yeah. Like once the red flag, hap, red flag happened, I can't imagine what was going, going through your mind. Just, you know, being young and never being, dude, you were never even in like a battle like that for the win, let alone to, to pull it off. And I know you said you were a big Chris Carr guy. And after watching the heat races, he looked, Chris looked really good in his heat race. I mean, he had the, he had the, I I forget what he, it might've been the Vore at that time, but it was a framer. He had the you know the four-checked right. yeah. leathers and the helmet, dude. He he just looked so good, like super camp riding that that bike. And and then yeah, I can't find the main event anywhere. Like it'd be cool to watch that main event, but just watching the heat races, like I think hacker won one heat race over like creamer. It was you and Yoder, car won a heat. Uh man, I, I forget who all was in it, but Russell. Dude, it's- yeah, Russell, yeah, Sean Russell won one. Um Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. So, so you win the race, man. And you know, what, what is, what are those thoughts? Uh, Obviously it's an incredible feeling, but did it, what was it like for you to just come across and and know you just won your first national? I mean, it had to just be amazing.
0: Well, so I I got a really cool, you know, um, everybody, first of all, everybody after the race, like the amount of people that reached out and you know, this, back in the day there too it wasn't quite as much social media but I got all kinds of emails and a few internet things right but like Dolly Barnes sent me this card with all this confetti in it and you know all kind. um Nikki and Earl Hayden called my dad from um they were like in Japan or something and uh called my dad and you know that was a really cool gesture back then you know I grew up racing with with the Haydens and my sister's pretty friendly with with uh, jenny and, and all that and they're just great people right um so the, the people reaching out to me afterwards was incredible um but i do have this really cool picture i'm like crossing the line got my foot on the ground you know off the gas and you can see like my chin picked up like already yelling you know <laughs> head in the air type of thing coming across the line like whoa what just happened um, and uh too bad the track wasn't longer Corey. like is the the world's shortest parade lap right with a checkered (laughs) Uh, looking back on it um i kicked myself in the ass you know my dad gets on and and my dad was like he was drunk right he he had no idea what was going on now they had him get on the bike everybody is like chris hart was there and i think kenny and rich king even i never talked to rich king but he's like pounding me on the back and um Trying to get my dad on the bike. He gets on the bike. We get the checkered, and my sister uh, is of course freaking out. It was just my dad, my sister. My mom didn't make it that race. Normally it was all of us. Um, but I, I, I really regret not not going a second lap with my sister. So if I had to do it all over again, she would. She would, yeah. would have went with me. Fuck.
1: And- if I I would just keep spinning was- laps, bro. They'd have to put you yeah, yeah, on yeah, the track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So a few years later, um, Jake, when Jake won the title, I think his second title maybe, um, Erica, he was nice enough with with Jody and Erica to go – he took them uh, around on a parade lap at – was it Pomona or something? Um, So that was pretty cool for her. But, yeah, that that was one regret. Um, But it was incredible. Like people who weren't on the podium, right, riders, came into the infield and were congratulating me terry poofy i remember him and mike Eads was in there like people were emotional it was cool man um you know it was certainly something something i'll never forget my i asked my dad like a week or so later and like ever been so happy in your life and he's like no (laughs) (laughs) of course i'm thinking you know what about marriage or whatever dad but um (laughs) you know it, it meant a lot it meant a lot to my family all the, the years of traveling. My dad loved racing motorcycles when he was younger, he loved going to the races involved. He announced, he you know, promoted races, all kinds of stuff. So, um, it's pretty cool deal.
2: Yep, uh, like so. You win the race, and everybody's slapping you on the back, congratulating you. Uh, when did it like you know, the adrenaline come down, and when did it like? sink in like holy shit that just happened was it like when you went back to the pits was it later that night was it a couple days later at what point did it sink in just like what you had accomplished
0: I mean people say like it hasn't sunk in yet but it did when I crossed the line I gotta be honest like I should should not have been there right um so I knew the gravity of of it all and I think that's why so many people were were um know kind of emotional and cheering me on is because everyone loves an underdog story and there's so many people in flat track especially back then that never had that chance to do that right that rode motorcycles all their life went around the country spending all their parents money their own money and and never got a chance to feel that and they felt that through me that night right yeah and that's incredible
1: that's amazing. Yeah, I think I think that's our sound bit uh, for our intro there, Billy. I think that's a good, uh, good yeah. intro. That's a great and I quote. would think,
2: and I'll, I'll bounce this off of you guys. Like I would almost say that, like that's what one of the reasons why our sport is so special is it. It it is a sport of underdogs. Or it um, was
1: special. You don't see that as quite. I mean, when when Gar's yeah. telling the story, you don't see that anymore. Like, I mean, who's going to come off the couch now, or not off the couch, but who's going to be the underdog that beats? You know that beats Jared Meese, Brier, Dallas. Like it's just not. It's not I a. Gotta give Davis not really, a
2: shout out. You know, I mean, yeah, but even Davis, like
1: he's a singles champion. Like he's, you know, yeah, he's yeah. he's been getting top fives, top threes. Like, dude, this is like like Gar said, he was running in the back of the pack. The, the main events yeah. he made, and then the go and win. I'm I'm looking at the fucking list here, dude. It's Chris Carr was second, <laughs> Joe cop is third. You had Yoder, which is a huge, huge underdog achievement as well i mean ken yoder and fourth he's in between joe Cop and johnny murphy which those that don't know ken yoder he's basically an amish guy from from lancaster no i'm just kidding but he's <laughs> dude kenny yoder is about as simple as a guy as they come and he finishes fourth. Yeah. right right like he's a he's dude that yeah. was a bit that's a big result for
0: yoder too i mean
1: uh um,
0: cory i was I, the only thing that you know, well, there's a lot of things that, that made that night special, but you know, I, I raised Kenny a lot, and um, you know, really liked him, and I thought, man, how cool it would have been if he could just gotten third. He was close too. That would have like been. He was sick. right there.
1: Yeah, that would have been right? amazing. So then you had Johnny Murphy in fifth, who at the time Murphy was that guy. I mean, he got second in the points twice. He he won nationals. Like nobody really had more swagger. Or, you know, that that guy was great for the sport. Johnny Murphy, Rich King, who was a factory Harley rider, Mike Hacker, Sean Russell, B- B- uh, Bigelow was in tenth, Terry Poovy. Uh, dude, it was that was a pretty pretty stacked main event, man. And and to win and and then to have your, you know, your the guy you looked up to, Chris Carr in second. Uh what were their reactions, Carr and Cop? Because I mean, those guys like to win, but they were, you know, I'm sure they were pretty I'm sure they would, they were rather, rather see you win than car seeing cop win or cop seeing (laughs) car win. Like, I'm sure they were pretty stoked on that. So,
0: so car was to me, right. Corey car was running the like mid to high line, which there, they put a lot of moisture in the track. They prepped it better for that race. And so you could run higher. Um, I was, I was a bottom dweller, which was pretty standard for me. Um, so I was on the berm the, the whole night, but. Chris was running that higher line and, um, at the red flag, it definitely dried out. Like it was another 10 minutes or something, right before we got going again and it dried out. And then he started struggling and he saw Joe coming even higher. Joe was riding like, he was just bouncing off the wall type of thing. Um, and Joe came from a ways back and he was one of Chris's main competitors back then, Uh, you know, Johnny, Joe, and Chris, and I guess Kenny, maybe right as well. Um, for sure. But, um, Chris was really preoccupied in keeping Joe behind him and he totally left the door open for me. And I'm sure he was thinking like, I don't, I don't care about Garth, right <laughs> at that point. I'm, he probably, <laughs> I, I know he might win, but he did not care about me getting 22 points or whatever it was, 20, 25 points. Um, Dude, I'm, I'm
1: looking at the points all- after the race, man, you were fifth in points after the race. You were, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, Chris Carr, Johnny Murphy, Joe cop, rich King. Garth Bastion, and then it I guess it was after Jay Springsteen in sixth and points, dude, Jake Johnson. Oh, like you're in the mix, dude. That's, that's, that's so sick. Yeah. I mean, did any opportunities come after that race? Like, um, where people calling you for rides? Like you would think, I mean, you work your whole life to get to this point. You win a national, you do what you're supposed to do. I mean, I'm sure you would think something would come out of it. Right. I mean, talk about that a little bit.
0: Um, not immediately but i did ride um guy from ohio's stuff the start of the next year before i broke my leg um so yeah something did come out of it and it was it was decent it was the first time that i didn't crush my dad you know every week um you know working on motorcycles somebody else did that but uh yeah when i got when i got hurt there broke my leg um My son was born not too long after that, and I didn't do much after that, really so um yeah, uh, you know I got a little bit more recognition, I guess, but not a not a ton more um and you know i just it was a family deal, corey, so um there wasn't wasn't anything quite like hanging out with my dad my my mom, my sister going to the races, um riding my dad's stuff, he took a ton of care to make sure i mean i could count in one hand how many times my bike failed me um you know over the course of my career and and he did he did all the work it wasn't lightning fast we didn't you know he didn't have all this big bucks you know Baroni stuff right my harley was was uh not awesome i guess but it it went down the track and it it did pretty well um but it never he never failed um putting it together the right way and keeping it running and we had a lot of fun racing over the years so um yeah it was good
2: but so at this point know, were you running uh full-time like all the rounds or were you predominantly uh a part-timer uh throughout you know this kind of this era
0: so i'm gonna use full-time in quotes right because okay. I, I was um yes let's see I was out of college, but I was working full time at the same job. I'm doing now. Um, so working full time, a little extra spending money, had my, my weekends open. But I never once throughout my career, kid, you know, pro, whatever. I never once had a practice bike. Um, I had race bikes. Um, and I showed up at the track, not having practice all week and and try to race and compete against these guys in fact you know i would stop in october at the last race go to college or whatever work all winter and i would show up in bike week not having rode a motorcycle for three months right four months and that's just that's just the way it the way it was so um i knew i was never gonna um make a career of it um i wanted to do the best i could you know, my, my family was putting a bunch of money into it. And I was, once I got, got out of college, put money into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, I was always a better student than, our, than a motorcycle racer. So I kept that in mind and, and, um, probably stopped doing it a little bit earlier because of it. Right.
1: Well, hacker, I quote hacker in a text message. He says, he says, quote unquote, he was smarter than us and went to college while racing. So he had a career after racing and (laughs) that's coming from hacker who does, who does pretty well with his mortgage business now. So we're, we're proud of you hack. You, you, uh, you you found a good career after racing, but yeah, you mentioned you went to college, man. And, and I think that's cool. And even racers that, that do want to focus just on being a racer and make a career out of it. Like there's options now to, to do like cyber school or do your online schooling. Um, what did you, if you don't mind me asking, what did you go to college for and what is your kind of job field right now? Unless you're like a CIA agent or something, but what is your,
0: (laughs) yeah, not that. So (laughs) I'm a, I got my bachelor's in, in engineering and I have a master's in business and I've, I've, um, worked for the same, Nationwide Construction Company since college, so they recruited me out of college to come down to Maryland. Headquarters is in Baltimore, but um, um, I work out of the D.C. office mostly. Uh, so I run around every day, Northern Virginia. My group, I have an operating group in the company, and and we focus on building um, data centers for all the, the big names that that everybody uh, knows very well and uh, that make the internet run, make things like ai and all these cool technology things uh happen so yeah I'm, I'm my group is building those facilities and and uh it it keeps food on the table for for my family and that's really the most important thing to me so
2: so uh corey you can go ahead and step away now because we're going to talk big boy stuff but uh i'm just kidding are you a <laughs> pe for those that uh don't know that's uh it's a certification <laughs> for engineers and stuff but are you are you a pe as well
0: I'm I'm not because uh, I never took the test. I knew I wanted to do like towards the construction construction management field. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't have to get my PE. Um, I could have, but I-, I elected to kind of go slightly different direction with my engineering background. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric's a PE. So, yeah.
1: He's a,
2: a PE, a pecker eater. That's what he is. Oh. <laughs> no, I work uh, in my day job. I work hand in hand with. Uh, engineers and architects and for like airport and okay. stuff but enough nerd stuff but so at the beginning of the yeah. interview you had said that you don't uh you don't really watch any flat track now what do we have to do uh to get you back into the sport what is put get you on your soapbox what does the sport need to get yeah. garth back in it
0: uh we need more than 12 guys on the on the <laughs> line i okay. mean that's all, that's all i need I mean, Corey just said I had 90-some at Tunica and, and guys like me, the opportunity to win, right? Guys like Ricky Winsett, the opportunity to win. Steve Asseltine, right? Um, and it doesn't even have to be opportunity win, but you have a full field. You can watch. When, when you go to your Saturday night show or sprint car track, you know, there's 30, 40 drivers out there. Go to Lincoln, right? Lincoln's amazing. Corey, that's not too far from you at all. Yeah. Um, and I know your, your family's, probably spun some laps around that place um but uh you know there's there's tons of guys out there and it's you're not guaranteed who's gonna win okay or the the top three and um that's what i want to see i want to see a race where you've got 50 guys trying to make 18 for the show at the end of the night and it's a big it's a big deal to be one of those 18 um i can i told paul lynch this once right cuz he told me you know he would ah, I wish he'd won a race would have done anything to make her to win a race and i told him i said yeah but you you competed paul like all the time he made all kinds of main events like top 10 top 15 and points i'm like i would give my win up for for just 2 years to be a consistent relevant racer right one of those 18 cool guys that lined up when there was 50 that came to duke it out right and at Daytona it was a hundred and some you know so that's what I want to see it now it doesn't have to be 50 but man give me more than 12. Um, Yeah I mean that's
1: the perspective that you just gave on you would trade in a win for two seasons of being a consistent top guy and it's it's just it dude I'm, I'm so thankful that you you mentioned that because I, I'm the opposite dude like I would trade in a lot I would trade in a, a production twins title or top tens and you know main events I would trade away my podium at Springfield mile uh to win like I I would have done anything to you know I I never got a chance I got a couple podiums and things like that at the top level but I never won um I would I would have done anything to to get a win yeah. so yeah I guess it's just perspective man on uh on that, you know, I, I had asked Coolbeth the same thing today, actually, when we were talking about it. yeah, I was like, dude, I wonder, you know, I was like to Kenny, would you rather, you know, would you rather win a race and, you know, not make a ton of main events every year or win one main event every year and not, you know, or or sorry, or be in every main event and finish 14th or 12th or whatever? Would you sacrifice a win? And dude, I'll take a win. I'll take one win, not make any main events the rest of the year then uh then you know finishing yeah it's just perspective dude like that's that's amazing so it's just there's a lot of guys who had amazing careers in the sport that never got to experience that win One. Yep. yeah dig too just experience a win at the top level there's so many good guys that have failed at accomplishing that goal and i did want to mention to you as well there's something about a person that enables them to, to get a win like that. Um, there's something inside of you that enabled you to have the composure to do that, to be in those situations. It's not easy. And the fact that you did it, it says a lot about you as a person, not some, I mean, it says you're a great rider too, but it, it just says a lot about an individual like, like that, to be able to put themselves in a situation and have the confidence and drive, to not only catch Chris Carr and Joe Cop without ever probably beating them before and then making that making that happen, dude. That says a lot about you and probably how you've, you know, you've used racing in other aspects of your life. Like obviously you're successful in your job. You went to college, you have a fucking master's degree, which Jared Meese probably can't even spell master's degree. And it's uh-huh. uh it's no, I'm just kidding, Jared. I love you, buddy. But no, it's just it says a lot about you, man, that I don't think maybe people understand is you know oh he only won one or whatever but dude it the to, to mindset that it takes to do that as an underdog it is uh it's it's very and I say this a lot on the podcast it's very underrated
0: uh yeah you know sometimes you just get lucky too Corey um <laughs> you, you know, don't luck the in the sorrow? wins bro you don't luck in the wins yeah. you don't <laughs> luck into a win where those guys
1: are all those top guys are yeah. behind you. If you and one other person were out there, yeah, maybe you could luck into uh, yeah. a win. But you don't luck in the beating. You know, fifteen of the best guys ever. You know, some nope. of the best yep. ever do it. Yeah, for thirty laps yeah, too. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a five yeah, lap. That's race. true. It was thirty laps, so
0: it was laps. Yeah, good, good pull there. Um, it 30 was laps. I think I think can ever remember doing more than 25 or ever even hearing that, you know, except the fifties and sixties, right? When they do 50 lapers or whatever, but yep. yeah, it was a, it was a long race. Um, didn't take any longer, it was super short lap times, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you said, you said a lot about Kenny and I think, uh, Chris, my, my comment about Chris Carr was really, you know, again, what he did for the, the sport and, uh, treating it like a business. But I got to tell you what, I grew up watching Kenny Coolbeth ride and I, I'm I'm really adamant that nobody is as talented. You know, I, of course I've I've got a window of time, right? But I, I watch back, you know, Garth Brough, that's that's what I was named after, and you know, Scotty Parker and Bubba Schobert. But I think Kenny Kubes is the most talented rider ever to come. Incredible. Ooh, he's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Things he did on a like, yeah, so. the the
1: prime of Kenny in like oh six to oh eight. It's uh it's not talked about enough. Like it's not long enough back where people are like reminiscing. And it's but it's been a while now. Like, I mean, he's he's always been great, but the years he were winning those championships and he would win he'd win some of those clay tracks by half a track over like Jared Meese and Smith and Carr. I mean, he was yeah, Kenny's 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 a dog. Man, yeah,
0: we like Kenny. But and and, you know, I I saw him right. First 750, rs 750 the honda at three rivers i think Corey. it was up in canada yeah somewhere in quebec it was just three rivers i think it was the very first time he rode a 750 as borrowed bike or something and he was like 14 years old 13 or 14 it's incredible so
1: we just had uh cool. we we just had his dad on the on the pod uh oh we did like, yeah we did a okay. dad podcast and we had uh nick daniels dallas's dad we had willie halbert and we had a uh, big Ken, big Ken senior on the pod, man. It was, uh, it was super cool. And you mentioned your mom and dad, and I just want to mention, uh, how nice, uh, I think your dad's name is Ron, right? Ron and Kim. Yeah. Is that the yeah. name? Uh, yeah. 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 They were always really nice to me. Anytime I would, uh, I'd see your dad, he was just a really like welcoming, really nice guy. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to hear you mention, uh, mention your moments with your dad too, over this interview is really cool.
2: So I like to always ask this question, Garth, is what about, so you, you, you did the framers. So would you say that like the 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 framers would be your favorite or is it the Harley, like of the bikes that you've ridden in your career that you and your dad have, that have worked on, like what, what's your all-time favorite bike that you ever spun laps on? Wood Tex. Wood Roadtacks, that, that's that good. Fifth, that fifth oh, Honda. really? Okay. I thought it was your Woods Ooh.
0: bike. That, yeah. It was an old night frame. Um, and it just seemed to handle like just incredible everywhere we went, clay, stone dust, whatever. I used to, I used to ride it up at Welland and and you know that it was just incredible. Um, I, yeah, we sold that one too. <laughs> which wish we had kept a bunch of these. But but definitely the Rotax Woods was second, um, which is a lot different than that that uh, night frame. Um, but I did really well on it. I was always a way better singles rider in my mind than the Harley. I, I kind of took a step back riding the Harley. I never really figured it out to be quite honest with you. Um, this is the, like um, the, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. I was just
1: going to say, this is the segment on the pod where I talk about how much I hate Rotexes, but go ahead. I, just, oh. <laughs> I can never, <laughs> I can never ride a Rotex, bro. I don't know why, what it is. You guys, you guys flick around Rotax, like, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch, like going back and watching those YouTube, the YouTube videos. There's so many guys on, on Rotax is that just hauled ass. And every time I wrote it, I just, I just couldn't figure it out. So it's, yeah, just, uh, hmm. people think I'm crazy because oh. r- everyone loves Rotax.
2: A-
0: Sorry, Corey, were you on a- I I rode You're a right. few man.
1: Yeah, I rode uh I had a 600. It was like a CCM Rotax. Like that was my own personal bike that I had. Um I actually got it from Kurt Jones. He's uh he's from uh like Virginia area. Still, still see him quite a bit. But yeah, it was uh and he listens to the pod so shout out to Kurt. But no, it was it was his bike that I got. It was a CCM Rotax. But dude, I've ridden I've ridden 500s. I've ridden uh 450 Rotex when they they made us do that and right. that thing was like 30 horsepower and I've ridden Dude, I've ridden a lot of quote unquote good road taxes, and I just feel like on a road tax, if you make a mistake, it takes you like two laps to get your momentum going again. Where I've always, you know, I've always liked kind of the snappier pa- power of like a 450, but you guys, man, in your road taxes, it's just crazy to watch.
0: Of course, you're one of the smoothest riders. Like, I would think that the road tax would suit you, the power delivery, but that's funny yeah. to hear you say that a little bit. Yeah,
1: you would think, yeah. but no, nah, I suck on them. I just. I, I wouldn't say I suck, but I just never could get comfortable with to where I would where I would, I would, would always pick my DTX 450 over the Rotex. And I know a lot of you guys are probably cringing at that, but yeah, I just well,
2: I couldn't get When was get the last it, time that you rode a, a Rotex, Corey? I mean, you know, we've talked about on this pod where like when you started taking your physical fitness a little bit more serious and stuff, you started to see development. I mean, maybe it's nah, just it's one of those things that. where it gets you, just get you on back Rotex. on. I rode one okay. like last
1: year. I think it
2: was. <laughs> I okay. tried it. Yeah. I, right. Every,
1: every once, every three years I, I'll, I'll get offered a road and I'll forget that I can't ride them. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ride the road and I'll hop on it and I'll be like, ugh, like I just, uh, maybe if I rode like, you know, people are like, yeah, you never rode this road You haven't rode my road And I've heard, I've heard Kenny Tolbert has a road tax. Meese told me that, that I would absolutely love. It's the best road on the planet. And then the uh, the Ron Wood Rotex as well, the one that Carver was riding a bunch at at Willow Springs. Mm. They say they say that yeah. thing is is like amazing, but eh, it's all good. I maybe I it was a lot nice for me to not grow up in that Rotex era. But I did like my Harley Garth. I you mentioned you know, you didn't love the twin. I, I actually really did like riding my Harley, but um, mm. but I but I prefer the like the Yamaha twin that I ride now. So yeah,
0: sure. What well, um. What do you think about Indy Mile, Corey?
1: Indy Mile. Uh well that's where I had my that's where I made my first main event. Um I, I like Indy Mile. I know. It's,
2: so he loves so it. What, it's what, his all time favorite racetrack. That,
0: yeah. Where's that on your list?
2: <laughs> Indy Mile? <laughs> Wait,
0: were you in my heat race? I think I was in did you make it out of heat or semi? semi?
1: Sure. We didn't we didn't have semis that year because it rained. And I think for some fucking reason, I just got it in my head that I came off the heat race after making it, and I'm pretty sure you were, like, the first guy to fist bump me. And I, Now that I think about it, I think I, you were in so, my heat race.
0: So I, I know that that was your first main event. I don't know why I know that, but maybe something you posted. But <laughs> um, I loved the Indie Mile. That track is amazing, right? And I distinctly remember telling my dad that year, I finished behind – I didn't make the main, right? Normal. Um, and I'm pretty sure you you did that year and I was behind you and you know, riding my ass off. right? And I came off the track and I should be disappointed. I'm like, that was the most fun I ever had in my life. Like that place was incredible.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's it kind of like it was
0: way a up the track and, yeah, it was fun. That huh? year
1: yep. it was good. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to i have yeah. to go back and look it up. I knew I was ch- I was chasing down um it's a kind of a cool memory now, because I was chasing down Kevin Atherton, I think he like came back and rode that race. And then it was Nikki Cummings. And I remember like, I thought I was in six and I was chasing down Nikki Cummings, like, like crazy trying to catch him. And he was a really good cushion rider. So in trying to catch after him, I got fifth and I thought I was in six and I made the main, I was like, Oh shit, that was cool. Like I was riding so hard to catch up. And then, yeah, I remember you and a couple other guys congratulating me. And then I remember going out for my first main event and Nikki Hayden came over and Kenny Roberts because that was Indy Mile the first year they brought it back during the MotoGP race and it That's was by right. far yeah, yeah. the most crowded there had to be 50 60,000 fans there it was absolutely packed and for that to be my first yeah, name Ross was,
0: was right?
1: yeah Rossi was dude it they bad? all were there yep it was it was crazy and then I blew up on the second lap of the main so it was <laughs> it was short-lived oh. but Yeah. I grenaded my bike. Yeah. But it was cool to line up for the main event. Like you said, line up and and do that. So since it
2: was a cushion, Corey, I mean, you're going to have redemption next year when you come back 165 for Lima. So I think, uh, you know, it'll be good for you.
1: Yeah. They want me to come back and, uh, Cody cop was on and he was, he was talking smack about, he wants me to come (laughs) back and, and do Lima. You don't watch any, did you watch any races last year, Garth? I mean, I know I haven't seen yet any, but do you, do you watch any of the coverage at all?
0: Well, I think because they started making you pay for it or something. I'm like, oh, screw that. You know, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure pretty sure, I watched a few. Well, I definitely did on, on you know, the reruns on, on TV or whatever. I shouldn't say rerun, but um, not the live version. Um, yeah, I watched a few. Um, Do you still
1: talk to any of the boys? Do you still talk to Jake or Murph or any of those guys?
0: Um, every once in a while. I'll, you know, I'll hit up Paul or Murph. Yeah,
2: Murph. Jake, he's I living out I'm, in uh, Idaho these days, just running a shop out there and yeah. living. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, I'm not really hanging, not really hanging out with anybody. But yeah, every once in a while, I'll, I'll catch up with. It's 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 usually Lynch, right? Murph or or Jake a little bit. My sister and Jake's wife are you know very friendly, best friends. So we'll see yeah. them at like Christmas, maybe something like that big his family so it's cool. that's no,
1: cool man like it's it's really cool to hear from you like it's like i said it's been a while since i've chatted you and you were always super super nice to me like being uh a gnc winner and me being like a young young up-and-comer you know hammerhead just going to local races and doing everything i could to to beat the top guys and you know i i was a hammerhead and you guys were always well you were especially were just always super nice to me and yeah i just um you know I never really got to mention it but I always appreciated that and always looked up to you as a as a guy who was just super nice like I mean it's it's something that um you know a lot of the a lot of the pros they just don't they don't give a lot of time to the younger kids they kind of just get in their own bubble and and do their own thing and it was really cool how you would uh you'd always come over and talk to me and a lot of respect even from uh you know like I said GNC winner and you would really talk to me, um, like talk with me rather than like down on me. And I always thought that was super cool, man. So it's it's good to chat with you again and uh it'd be cool to see you at one of these races, man. Uh
0: Timoniums this weekend, dude. I don't know what you what you got going on. <laughs> you know, if I if I knew what to do to my my uh four fifties to get it set up, maybe maybe I'd do it. Maybe I should call you about it, but no, it's uh I'd ha- I'd hurt myself. I'd be on the concrete or something, Corey um yeah. <laughs> i only race once i'd rather do the outdoors i'll tell you what if you see me it'd probably be the outdoors out there um yeah but no it, it, it's cool to hear you say that man i appreciate you guys having me on and talking a little bit it's good to reminisce um yeah I, I would i would love to see a few more guys on the line and and um you know Corey, i'll follow you a little bit you got you got a pretty cool deal with your son there he is ripping I mean, some of the videos you're posting are insane to me. I can't believe how fast he is at such a young age.
2: So.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a lot of work, man. He's uh, I you you were mentioning your <laughs> kids play ba- basketball and soccer. I'm thinking, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be too bad, man. I could buy him a, a set of cleats and a ball rather than all these freaking motorcycles that he breaks every week. But uh, how old are your kids, man? Well,
0: he <laughs> your son's got some talent. So you keep going with that. <laughs> I appreciate um, it. my my, uh let's see my son he actually just came home a couple hours ago from west virginia he's a freshman at west virginia so he's
1: oh that's sick that's a good
0: school yeah that's cool yeah he'll be 19 soon and my daughter's 16 so she's driving oh that's that's
1: that's awesome dude that's cool man it's uh yeah i remember i remember your kids a little bit but i haven't seen them in probably dude i mean i i've seen them occasionally at the track but I don't realize I'm old until I see how old everyone's kids are now. It's like, (laughs) holy shit! Like even my—I have a younger sister, Keely, and dude, she was always like eight years old to me, and now she's twenty-three or twenty-two. It's, it's, uh, dude, it's crazy. Time flies, man. But yeah, but it's dude. Go ahead. What was it? Like of
0: the of the high school team or something? Got hurt pretty good. Oh, yeah.
1: Shanker. Yep. Yep. I forgot you, you You used to run around with all those guys. Really. That was a like I said, that was a fun era, man. Like the Murph, Paul Lynch, Jake Johnson, Hacker. Like you guys had a lot of fun, man. It makes me jealous that I missed that era a little bit. I was a little too young to kind of roll around with you boys at the at the races. But I know we didn't talk about it much. But you guys you guys used to have a lot
0: of fun like off the track. It was the stories were that'd be so the podcast Corey, well you know grabbing the coolers uh after the races (laughs) so we did party pretty good that was a good time so yeah yeah
1: yeah. we'll have to do an after hours pod one of these days and, and get some uh get some get some of those stories yeah that eric like they 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 went hard like they they had fun it was it was a really really cool era um But yeah, man, I, again, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I know you literally got off work and came right to this podcast and you probably have a ton of shit to get done before you're back at it tomorrow. So appreciate you coming on and yeah, let's stay in touch, dude. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see at a race maybe next year or, or something. And dude, honestly, if, if I I don't know what you got going on January, uh, I, I promote a big race and it's actually in Florida, but I'm going to get you, um, I'll get you a um, a code to use on the live plus that you can watch it live. So um, you won't have to pay for it. Cool. I'm going to hook you up. Yeah, I'll get you a code. You can watch Winter All Throwdown. Right. And we usually get 35, 40 guys in our expert class because we combine the twins and singles. So it's not quite 93 that you had at Tunica, but it's a little bit better than 12. So I'll get you one of those codes here tomorrow, and then uh, you'll be dialed in to watch the Winner Throwdown. So
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. I appreciate
1: cool, it, guys. Yeah, thanks, Garth. It was a yeah, good thanks. chatting you, man. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll chat you soon. All right. Take care. Yep. See ya. See yeah. Oh, now What a nice guy. Garth is a, he's a nice guy, man. It's so
2: pleasant. So wow. pleasant. Yeah. Super <laughs> nice guy.
1: I, everyone I talk to, were are like, yeah, he's just like one of those nice guys. Really nice guy, and it's a uh, it's good to have that man because you have these cutthroat racers and people that are just you know, it's, it's, dude, it's a hard, it's a hard industry. Like you got to be hard nosed yeah. and to have somebody that, that had some success, man, like Garth and just a genuine guy to talk
2: to. <laughs> I just, I Refreshing had- in a way that you can have uh someone that, you know, won a top race, but also, you know, has, you know, other things going on where he's know family and he's got a job and he went to college and, you know, he's seen the sport from so many different angles that, you know, it's definitely good to step back and sometimes, uh, you know, look at the bigger picture. So that was that was a really enjoyable interview.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's And I just keep going over this list of riders he won, man. And I I, I don't insane. know. Yeah, it's insane. And, I, you know, people listening, like definitely chime in with some comments. But is it the most surprising win of all time? Like, I really feel it might be. It might be the all time surprise win like i don't i can't think of anybody right now that you know that that did what he did at that race that night and like i said there's a lot of you know they could say oh you know he had that one good night but dude it it takes more than like he said oh he was pretty humble in it, saying it could have been luck but dude i there's something Uh, about a person's personality that allows something like that to happen it just doesn't happen based on luck um people are literally given opportunities in races it's put in front of them on a plate and they implode like they they just can't hold it together with a perfect opportunity in front of them so there's a lot of mental toughness that comes out of like even making these main events back then but to win that race, it says, like I said, it says a lot about him as a person to get that job done.
2: Yeah, no, that that goes into preparation and all the stars, you know, aligning, but that, that all relates to like the work that he and his dad and his team and everybody had put in to put him there. I don't believe, yeah, that you can just like luck into that. I mean, you know, like you were saying, riders and professional athletes can give, be given everything and still shit the bed. I mean, like, look at – you know, for a stick and ball reference, Jamarcus Russell, like, you know, just blows it with, you know, all of the skills and talents in the world. And, you know, no, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. It was just luck for sure. Yeah. Jamarcus was a really good
1: center fielder. I thought he would have made it for sure. So it's, uh, (laughs) it's definitely crazy.
2: Yeah. No, he was not. For those that don't know, he was a quarterback. Look him up and be let down. No, I'm just kidding. He played for the Raiders. Yeah, but, no, it's – dude,
1: it's – yeah. It, it was really cool to have him on. I like to have guys on. From I'm trying to think on this in this main event. We've had Garth on. We've had Carr. We've had Cop. We've had Murphy, Rich King, Hacker, Russell, Bigelow, Pearson. Have we had Pearson? I don't know if I've ever had Pearson on. He'd be a good one. Beady. Yeah, it's a uh, dude, it's a it's a really fun era. It was like an era where Basically, I just started
2: racing, so it was cool to get these guys on. What you know, what this is saying is that American Flat Track needs to have an indoor. I'm gonna circle back to it. I asked Jared Meese this; <laughs> he didn't agree with it. I'm just saying we spent the last hour and a half or so talking about I mean, how the, awesome this race was.
1: The top guys <laughs> don't want crapshoot races like that because because of stuff like this, like anything can happen. I mean, generally speaking. Yeah. The good the good guys always find a way to get it done. Like right, like Chris Carr got second, Joe Cop got third, but Garth won and Kenny Yoder got fourth. And then you had other Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, they
2: did a they did an indoor right now, Corey, you know the top 5 they That'd just be Pacific Northwest riders. Oh, like you know, everybody yeah. else would just Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just pack yeah. your shit up. Don't even line up, boys. Yeah. Shelby
1: Shelby <laughs> Miller's a
2: short tracker, baby. That's what he he always Every track, man. Hey, I'm a
1: short tracker. And I'm like, all right, I
2: texted man. you this over the weekend. I'm gonna give that dude a shout out, Michael Hill. Like for anyone that is have any reservation, like I'm giving that dude a shout out right now. That kid was on fucking rails last week, and I don't know if he ate his Wheaties that 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 morning, whatever. But don't sleep on Michael leading into this next year. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody doubts. Doubts Michael. He's a good rider. That, just gotta, you yeah. know, gotta find that consistency for sure. Yeah, but for sure. I don't know, man. I, I think an indoor would be good for the fans. Um yeah. just based on what I said. And looking in this main event, too, I want to give a shout out to Donnie Mullen. Don Don, he got ninth in this main event. He got a top ten. He finished ahead of Bigelow, Poovy, And then uh Tom McGrain Jr., man, one of his main events he made. He got 14th. Huh. So Tom Green Jr. was uh it's Logan's dad. He was in 14th. Yep. So Yeah, there was some. uh, There's what, four or five? I guess Garth isn't PA, but there's a few PA boys in there. We like it. And if we're going to do
2: an indoor, we got to have a 50
1: shootout. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I mentioned that on the uh, American Flat Track post today. They were talking about the Astro Cup, and I was like, man, let's just do something different. Like the Astro Cup Mm -hmm. is just, it just played out. It's just. Right. I mean it's played out. Like I I mean, you're basically
2: all the people that were in the main event that we spent the last hour talking about start basically doing the Astro Cup, right? No, I'm just but it's just a little played out.
1: The bikes are just I don't see the benefit for the sport like of doing the Astro Cup as much as they do it. I mean, I think once a year, maybe or whatever, but at this point, dude, those bikes, they stopped making them nineteen thirty. I just our, our weak point in American flat track is not that demographic. That's our strong point. What we need Good point. is a demographic with younger people and you watch. And I, I like the bull taco. Cause I have a history in the sport and I'm, I'm not that young, but you bring an 18, 20 year old kid to the races. They don't want to watch the bull tacos go around. Like I hate Charlie Roberts, man. I'm sorry if you're listening, but they don't really care. Um, a lot of respect for the bikes, and I have a lot of respect for the riders in on those bikes. Like Ronnie Jones, watching him ride an astro is fucking beautiful. Like he is an amazing rider. The Jackie Mitchell, great rider. Charlie Roberts ain't a bad rider. Watching these guys ride them, yes, they're it's cool to see, but the nostalgia of watching them guys, it goes away when they do it four or five times a year. Uh it's better to bring them out every so often give us a taste but not not every you know i th- i think they could branch out and and i said like an 85 cc shootout or a 50 cc race and dude the 50 cc class the the crowd goes crazy when those little kids are battling like it's it's cool i mean, it's that's cool marketable
2: life. too like they do a supercross put them all on ktms or put them all on a brand put on cobras whatever you know just rock it it's it it sells yeah and have have the
1: pro guys go out and um and push the bikes out to the line like each pro rider has a kid they push them out to the line and they line up and it doesn't matter who wins but the fact that you get you get the kids out there and fans like that dude like you have a fan that comes to the track at supercross and they see the kids riding around in the junior thing it's cool man it's a cool it's a cool thing or have a 250 cc shootout or do something a little different, like they do that. They do that in Supercross. They do the futures, the futures racing, which, which I like to watch. Like I follow to see, you know, when Deacon was riding the futures or Daxton Bennick. Like you look and you see how those guys are doing. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think a little off topic, but I yeah, it was mentioned today. I just
2: well, I mean, I I think it's worth discussing. Like if you think about the the legality of it, you've got AFT is this kind of corner sect of AMA Pro and then AMA. I don't. How does Supercross do it with like amateurs? On you know, like the legality of it. I you know, I'd be very interested to see if AFT would even be in a position to do that. I know they do my class and they do BTR and yep, bull tacos, they, but I, I don't know how they do they it. They had a amateur shootout a couple years ago
1: at uh, Woodstock, Georgia. They had that race, and I think Cody won it. Actually, Cody Cox. Oh yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, Road to <laughs> AFT. They did it once. Yeah, and, and I I've heard them talk about Road to AFT maybe two or three years in a row where they've mentioned it at the banquet, and they never follow they never follow through with it. So I don't know, man. I mean, I think I don't think we need filler classes. Like I think two classes is is fine. But I think if they're gonna do you a watch filler, your mouth. well, no, Phil. I you mean, it's <laughs> it's fine. But the fans they're not coming to you know, they're still going to come whether or not they have the Astros or hooligans, they're still going to come and watch the two main classes. But for, for me, it's, hey,
2: it's the a little bit of a are bonus. The night show. Okay. The hooligans yeah. are the night show. Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. Well, I don't know about that, but, um, it's not a bad option, but I just don't, I don't know. There's different ways to look at it, I guess, to see what, what works yep. best, but
2: yeah no man it was a they just need to hire us and we'll take it we'll take the reins we got this nah i'm good (laughs) it's not
1: (laughs) all right uh appreciate everybody for for uh dude we've been rolling on the pod man we've been uh we've had a lot a lot of stuff we've uh the the dad podcast was was great the one with cody and jared meese was a a, an amazing podcast man i've had a lot of people reach out and say they really enjoyed that and appreciate everyone that subscribes to the patreon we just did one with bobby fong who low-key really funny guy very yeah. underrated i i get hammered for i use it too much but he's underrated bobby as a as a racer he's an amazing racer and to have his insight he works for Dainese, and we we talked about airbag suits for 40 minutes like just everything you need to know about leathers and the hump on the back and what it is and the airbag and how they, you know, how they get charged and the technology and the algorithm. And we talked about helmets and boots and youth riding gear a little bit. I mean, we only scratched maybe 20% of the surface with everything that wasn't leather related, but it was a really good podcast. And, you know, I appreciate my, my buddy Bobby for, for coming on. So if you're on the Patreon, uh, check that out. I also did a blog today. These blogs take a while to do, but I enjoy doing it. I try to give you guys a little bit of extra content to read. Hopefully, you guys mm-hmm. are reading them. Um, it was a thousand word <laughs> blog I put together today. Like it shows you the word count, and it's it was a thousand words I did this morning while I was drinking my coffee. I rated all the AFT tracks for the 2024 season, so I gave them a ABCDF rating. So hopefully you guys read that and enjoy it a little bit, a little bit extra content. It, you can access the blogs only. I've done three blogs now. I've done the Mies First Parker blog with a ton of stats. That one took me hours to do. I did the, the one I just talked about, and I did another one too. Oh, I did the one about um uh, Bubba Shobert, and I think it was Scott Parker, like um, mm-hmm. a blog. Oh, no, Ricky Graham, sorry. It was Ricky Graham and somebody else, but... I did a blog on that too. So if you it's two dollars a month, guys, to access the blogs. I try to do one a week. Maybe I'll do two in the future. Uh two dollars a month. I, mean, I wanna
2: do I'm gonna do the uh the the hot shoe uh historical one. So look for that one. We're gonna I'm gonna start uh peeling back the layers on that one. I think it'd be kind of cool to history channel that shit and just kind of talk about from the early inceptions to where we are now. That'd be amazing
1: if somebody put that together. That that'd be a we'd have to throw that in on the ten dollar a month tier. But no, if you do the you do the two dollar a month tier, you get the blogs. And then if you do the $10 a month tier, you get the extra lapse episodes, which we're doing twice a month right now, and you get the blog. So um, regardless, guys, whether you not you subscribe to the Patreon or not, we really appreciate it. it. It it gives us a little bit back to uh to put back into the pod. And you know, we we pay Billy to edit the shows and we've gotten decals. Oh, shirts. Uh, mm-hmm. the shirts are done. Mm-hmm. I just, I got them, I got them in my buddy, Ryan picked them up today. I'll grab them tomorrow and I'll try to ship them out. People that pre-ordered the shirts. I didn't order really any extras. I might've ordered a few. So if I have any extras, I'll, I'll post them up. They're going to go quick. Cause I only ordered yeah. like a select few. So, um, but yeah, we'll keep everything Still. going. Uh, winter throwdown, dude. I announced that we are going to live stream it with Moto America live plus, which is huge huge news for my event to to be on you know to be alone to be partnered with moto america on this deal is is incredible and to show to show it on their live streaming package it's something that i'm really excited about um i wanted to give the riders as much exposure as possible racing on that markets yep yeah new markets Racing on that package. It's the same production team who does the Moto America races. So I I paid out of my pocket. I brought them in. It's a a very expensive production. It it all came from Corey Texter Promotions. And then everybody that subscribes, it goes back into hopefully breaking even on this on this production. (laughs) But I wanted to give you guys all the exposure I can. And to be honest, I wanted to put a product out there that I can use for next year, trying to get more sponsors to grow the event.
2: So, And I don't think enough credit has been given to who we have got. I mean, I say we, you know, but who is in the booth, like for the weekend? Like, I don't know. I saw briefly that that got promoted. But Corey, if you want to say, for those that haven't seen, who all is doing the uh, the the chatting and, and sideline reporting?
1: Yeah, so we got my buddy, James Raspoli. I got him on to do the to do the color commentary or it'll be a little mix of both. And I got my buddy, Ian Riley from Fredericktown Yamaha. He's the promoter of the Barbara Fritchie classic. One of the coolest guys in the industry. He is so awesome. And I, he's a great speaker and a huge fan of the sport. Him and Raspoli are going to be calling the action from winter throwdown. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be unplugged. And, it's definitely going to be entertaining and then i have jen lewis who is going to be doing the the pit side reporting as well so we'll do interviews and things like that so i'm not exactly sure how i mean i brought in a scissor lift for the camera crew i dude it's it's a big operation we're hoping to have graphics on the side of the live stream with what place everybody's in and we got commercials Good like stuff. it's it's yeah it's it's massive so it's 999 per day and for the whole three days, the King of Throwdown and the two race days, it's 19.99. So, if you're able to subscribe, we definitely appreciate it. I want to show how big amateur flat track can be, and this is a good start to to, to showing that. So, big big shout out to Mission Foods for uh, helping out with this event, Yamaha Racing, Jerry Stinchfield Roof Systems for making it happen. But yeah, it's uh, MotoAmericaLivePlus.com backslash Throwdown subscribe now. And one thing I did want to mention is you can watch it on two different devices. So if you're driving and you're on your phone hmm. or not driving, but if you're in the car, let's not pretend we don't drive on our phone sometimes. But <laughs> if you're driving and you want to watch it on the way home from dinner, if it gets started, you can watch it on your cell phone and then you can come home and then plug it into your laptop or on your smart TV. But you can't access it hmm. at the same time. Like you can't give out your your password and um to a bunch of your friends and family like you have to it'll well, kick yeah. you off so this was like I've done all the tricks man and I we just I can't have people just sharing it to on forums and stuff where anybody can log in so yeah I just wanted to let people know that you can watch it on two different devices but it can't be at the same time so if you have any questions well, on and- that
2: on that, I got I to gotta say that we're also doing, you know, there's going to be that winter throwdown prep going on at Jasper. So the Crossroads uh, Speedway, Motorplex, I know that they use those interchangeably. But if you are coming to throwdown and you don't want to get beat by Robbie Bobby, come out 12 to 4, $50 uh, open practice unless you're a veteran. Uh, Evil Hours Racing and Roof Systems at Dallas, Texas are are making it free for veterans to go out and get track time. And then also our veterans are racing for free at the winter throwdown. So it's going to be pretty cool. Got a big thing on, but definitely do your prep work. Don't get beat by Robbie Bobby because you won't ever end, you're hear the end of it. Um, so, yeah, come on out to uh, Jasper that, that Wednesday before. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half from uh from Callahan,
1: Jasper. We were going to do a, a practice there last year, and we ended up, We got a little bit of rain that day, but, um, yeah, it should be, it should be, we're hoping for good weather. We have, we have the King of Throwdown on Thursday. We have the racing on Friday and Saturday. We do have Sunday as a rain date guys, and we will use it if there are, if there is weather, we will use Sunday for a rain date. And then Monday is, uh, it's a holiday. So a lot of, uh, I think everybody's off school, I think. And a lot of people are probably off work Martin Luther King day, but yeah. So
2: we will keep you guys posted. Um, on, I just on realized the event. That that's the day. Please don't cancel me. I just realized that. Oh, that's awesome. What? I just made my night. I didn't realize that it was a holiday. Yeah, Monday's a holiday, so it's it's actually huh. nice.
1: Yeah, I think in the future yeah. I'm gonna just plan the winter throwdown like with that holiday because it gives everybody an extra yeah. day, an extra day to get home. So there yeah. So anyway, cool. Corey Texter Promotions.com, all the info on the race, or just hit me up, guys. Like this is my job, and I'm here for y'all and you have any questions on the race? Definitely reach out. Grateful for everybody that takes off work and school and comes and races with us every year in Florida. It's man, we've had so many pre. We have, I think, we're two. We're probably 480 pre entries over the two days. It's and we're still a month away. They're all Robbie Bobby. They're all he, Robbie Bobby. He's. I think there might be like four or five riders in four classes, and he's one of them. And he's doing the King of Throwdown. So he's yeah, he does more than anybody at that race. And he lets me know when he wins all the, you know, he wins like the, the 125 class and the open C and he wins all these, you know, he cherry picks all these classes and he wins and he wants to flex on it. But I don't remember him in the bracket last year at the King of throwdown. Did he make the bracket? I don't think he did. Wow. Well,
2: text him. I know, let you know.
1: I know he did. I'm just being a smart ass. So yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, guys, That's a wrap on today. That's a wrap on the pod. Appreciate Garth for coming on the show. Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Shout out to everybody that listens and subscribes on the Patreon. That's it, man. Anything else on your end? No, sir. We out.